You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. Alrighty, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Derek, and I am joined, as always, by your co-host, Kevin. How are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Another uh, wonderful Friday night here in Colorado. Nice, cool weather. I got the window open, cooling the house off right now. Like... We're sitting pretty, got a good slate of games here uh, coming up on Sunday, so um, I, I don't know that I could be any better, man. How are you? You know, I, I cannot complain. It's, uh, you know, fr- by the time we get to Friday, we're starting to gear up towards the football weekend here, uh, get to do one of my favorite things, which is sit down and, and chat with you on a Friday night here, looking forward to the slate of games here and really talking some fantasy and how these things are going to play out and, uh, you know, then being able to see how how accurate our uh, Nostradamusine skills were by the time we get to Sunday. So uh, I cannot complain. Absolutely enjoy these, uh, these late night Friday conversations here and uh, get to do it live in, in front of a bunch of folks out there and uh, help them try and w- do what they need to do to win some fantasy football. So I absolutely cannot complain. We had a, it was kind of a crazy game last night though. The Thursday Dude. night game. Uh, that's one played out like we were, you know, I just referenced our Nostradamusing skills. Um, those skills took a vacation when we were talking about that one on uh, on Tuesday, it seemed. Yeah, they they did. Um, I definitely, the, the Jets almost covered. Like mm-hmm. the game wasn't that close, but the Jets did almost come back and cover. Um, we had the Colts on the money line all along. So we had that part right. The Jets didn't cover, so we missed that. And it went way over, um, in large part because the Colts running game was fan-freaking-tastic Thursday night. Um, so kudos to them. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about this off-air, right? Like, they, they're they in a win-now, we-can-go-get-it mode, right? Like, Derrick Henry's down. Um, they know that there's a good chance they could have got a game back this week with Tennessee playing the Rams. Um, and they got to get every win they can. And if you're going to make a playoff run, you have to beat bad teams. And, and the jets are just a bad team right now. Um, Being on your third string quarterback and having Josh Johnson throw a pass for the first time in three years, I believe it was three years, uh, you know, didn't hurt the Colts' chance at all. Um, Even though Johnson didn't play terribly, right? Like he was put in a bad situation. The Jets defense didn't do him any favors. Um, ended up putting up some yards, getting some touchdowns there at the end. Not that anybody was playing Josh Johnson on their fantasy team, but um, I overall. I saw some DFS lineups with him in there, though, and that was uh, a little surprising. But Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was looking through some of my uh, my FanDuel uh, lineups and, and comparing them against the you know what the number one team was doing just because I'm always curious to see where I could have improved on and what that winning combination was and the winning combinations had jo- had uh, Josh Johnson as uh, Josh Johnson and Ty- or Jonathan Taylor in the MVP or the, mm-hmm. the star position Naeem yep. Hines yep Pittman uh, I missed right like. Pittman was right at his projection. So I missed, right? He, he got that touchdown. It was a good catch. Um, they had to go back and review it. But it was a good touchdown, five, mm-hmm. five of six. They didn't need him a whole heck of a lot because the running game was working so well, but the touchdown got him there. And and that is what it is because I had to play Pittman in a couple different leagues. So 
yeah, I missed on the call, but I'm damn glad it happened because it helped out a couple of my fantasy teams. Right. Well, that was the thing too, is I, um, you know, going through the rankings and all of that. Um, yeah. The consensus ranking was Jonathan Taylor as RB one, number one overall in the week, things like that. And whenever I'm looking at some of these consensus things and I'm doing some of my own rankings, I, uh, I tend to shy away from whoever's sitting there at the number one, like, and that was one of those I was looking at that. And I'm like, there's no way that he doesn't finish his RB one this week. Like I just, there's not a chance out there. So I, I, I rolled with it and stayed with uh, kind of the consensus line there, uh, which is something that I normally don't do. But uh, after, you know, after watching that for a little bit, holy moly, was I glad that I did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was just icing on the cake when he busted the long one to the house and, and just cemented it all the way. So uh, honestly, that first drive had me a little bit scared, right? Like, man, are they not going to use Taylor again? And Naeem Hines comes in and scampers for that, what, 34-yard touchdown run. Yeah, it's, a career-long run for him. It's like, holy cow, is he just? are they just going to think he's the hot hand tonight and now Taylor's just going to go away? And nope, they just handed it to him and, and gave it to Hines a little bit more. Hines had a great game if you were forced to play him in a flex position this week. Like, it paid off. Good for you. So – um, overall, another solid performance out of Carson Wentz. I mean, really everybody who needed to hit did with the exception of uh, Michael Carter, right? There, the, Michael Carter had been – he had a couple pretty good games. Came up against a Colts team that was on a tear, and they had to throw so much to get back into it. You wish Carter would have been more involved in the passing game a little bit, but they had to drive the ball down the field. And instead, you got to see Elijah Moore – Mm-hmm. You know, make make you know his his appearance for the second straight week. No coincidence that Corey Davis was also out for the second straight week. So, I have some thoughts and opinions about that for Tuesday's show. But overall, the guys who you need to hit did get hit. So, productive day as far as fantasy went. Yeah, and that was the that was the thing is that game was far more exciting than I think any of us had had anticipated certainly I had anticipated because that was one of those I was fully expecting that to be a low scoring type of game and uh, I was expecting the Jets to to cover that one because it you know was going to be a 24 to 17 type of victory um, is how I saw that one playing out and yeah there was a there's points with when it started getting into that third and fourth quarter where I go holy moly I'm watching a big 12 matchup here like just back and forth straight up, like especially in that fourth quarter at times, like there didn't seem to be a lot of defense. Getting Is this played Oklahoma there, and Baylor? Yes. Yes. There was times that I was watching that going, Oh my, this is a big 12 matchup. Like just the way that that played out there and the score reflected the, a lot right. of that as well. That's not normally a score that you see in an NFL, um, you know, in the NFL arena, but uh, no, it was a fun game to watch. Good game to watch. So, uh, you know, another good Thursday slate when um, in a primetime game in, the, in a matchup that didn't necessarily have a lot of heads turned towards it um, coming down the stretch there. So, uh, no, it was, a, it was a real fun game to watch. And uh, I think and a lot of times these Thursday games have been kind of the precursor <coughs> to what we can expect over the weekend there as well. It's, right. It's it has been, seemed like that. Yep. So this is one of those that, you know, this one – this game here seemed like a low scoring affair and seemed like a grinded out, just power run type of thing. And, um, you know, all of that type of deal. And it turns out we got some explosive plays, some offense, you know, just some light them up offense performances there. And I hope that that holds true into the weekend here as well. And that should, uh, should lead us to a pretty fun and interesting slate of games and matchups here. Uh, and, and one in which that there's, there's some pretty exciting games that I think here and some, 
uh, things that I think may be a little bit surprising out there for a few of these ones as far as how this thing might end up. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on the Thursday game before we start getting into the into breaking these games down? Yeah, not necessarily. I, I think we – it's easy to say because the Colts went up against the Jets, but we really did see what's, what the recipe for success in Indianapolis is, right? Like mm-hmm. they have to run to set up the pass. Carson Wentz has done a really good job this season outside of two bad interceptions. He only has three all season long. Two bad interceptions, right? And and both of them happen to – they cost him games, right? One interception cost him a game ultimately against um, Tennessee the week before, and then the first one was against Baltimore. Like outside of two bad picks – this Colts team has been really competitive, right? Like they have their recipe and the style of football that they play translates well to January, December, January, February type football, right? They can stop the run. They can run the ball. Carson Wentz is more than capable of making some throws when he has to, but ultimately he is much more efficient when he's allowed to, use the play action, choose his points of attack and everything else, and he's not having to chase points. Most quarterbacks are, but Carson Wentz really excels in this. Um, so it's it's on them, right? Prepare and execute. Prepare and execute. And if they keep doing that, we will see the Colts climb back up in the AFC South rankings because Houston and Jacksonville aren't going to stop anybody. No. And we need to find out what Tennessee's identity truly is going to be going forward if Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols can come close to replacing Derrick Henry. Yeah. Yeah. If they can be serviceable, that'll be a, that'll be a big thing there. So let's go ahead and we'll start heading on over into the matchups here. And the very first one we're going to start with is Cincinnati. I'm sorry. The Cleveland Browns are heading to the Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati favored by two and a half over under on this one is uh, 47. Uh, any thoughts on this game? Uh, Cincinnati kind of got uh, gut checked last week mm-hmm. um, in their game against the Jets. And I don't know if it was lack of preparedness or overinflated sense of self-worth or the Jets just caught them on a bad day. Uh, combination of the three possibly. But I don't see this happening again. Cincinnati realizes that they are in a dogfight for this division title to make the playoffs. Um and I, I think they have the weapons to do it. The Browns are not as good stopping the pass as they are stopping the run. So we may not see as much as Joe of Joe Mixon this week um, in, I guess, total fantasy relevance, right? The volume will still be there. He's back to his normal workload. But we will see a lot of Jamar Chase. I think we're going to see a big T Higgins game coming out of this. So I, I like Cincinnati at home. I like them to cover the game. Um, and I think we hit the over here. I think the, the Browns are going to try and slam it home with Nick Chubb and get back to what works for them after taking the loss against Pittsburgh last week. And the Bengals are going to try and at least keep the Browns honest a little bit. So the pass rush can't get to Joe Burrow as easily, but ultimately the more the Bengals throw in this game, honestly, their chances for success are a whole lot better than just trying to run it up the gut against the front seven of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, because the front seven is pretty good there. And I think you're right. I think the the Bengals will will absolutely 
you know, air this ball out. Uh, the Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Burrow connection is real and is very legit. Um, you know, apparently nobody told, uh, you know, Jamar Chase that, you know, rookies typically have a slower ramp up time into the season. And he has just come in, hit the ground running and proving why Cincinnati was, was right in that selection, taking him fifth overall instead of where everybody out there in the industry thought that, Hey, you know, they should be looking at the, at an offensive line here, protect that, uh, their franchise quarterback that just came off of a, a season ending knee injury, things like that. But that connection is, is certainly there and showcasing, uh, why they they took him fifth overall instead of going with some of these other positions, and it's paying off for them absolutely. So that offense is a very dynamic one. You'll see Joe Burrow, I think, come out and get some gunslinger mentality back in this one. Right last week, that wasn't necessarily the case where it was. We all thought that that would be more of him, um, and and they really didn't uh, throw the ball necessarily as much, but uh, as they have in other weeks, and and again, that I think that allowed the Jets to probably play into that and do some things there. But I think Cincinnati, you're right, got a little gut check there and they're willing and they're wanting to come out here and, uh, and, and have kind of that prove it game and show, show everybody why they were uh, the number one seed in the EFC just two weeks ago. And so on the flip side of that, you got the Browns coming into town. Uh, The Browns have a little bit of, uh, yeah, they've had a lot of storylines going on with them in the past week there. Uh, so it's interesting to see what that locker room is going to to look like and see how they, they either come together or they don't and what this rest of the season is going to look like going forward for them and uh, how that's going to look and play there. But I, uh, I think you're right. I think you'll see the Browns come out, run the ball a ton. I think you'll see Cincinnati air this one out. And I think that you're going to have a higher scoring game. I'm probably seeing this one closer to, you have Cincinnati right about 30, the the Browns right about 27 when it's all said and done. So I see a very high-scoring, aggressive game plan for both of these teams here, which is a little bit out of the norm there because normally those AFC North teams play each other very tough in a defensive-minded battle, and you typically get a lower-scoring game, but I don't see that being the case here. Any other thoughts on this one? No, I think the higher the score goes, the better Cincinnati's chances for success are, right? I, they're – Obviously, the the Odell news, but Odell's been dinged up. So, so Odell not being on the field isn't necessarily new for the Browns this season or even last season, right? So they've been playing without him. Um, but Baker's Baker's injury is still real, guys. Like, yes, it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it's still a torn labrum and a broken, um, what his shoulder, I was, right? I think it was humorous. Humorous. So, so uh, that's that's still a real deal. And while he's going to play through it, Cleveland doesn't necessarily have the greatest receiving core. That's not what they're built off of. Jarvis Landry can only do so much. But I'd be I'd be shocked if Jarvis Landry had over you know six or seven catches. Like he's not going to be able to dominate a game with 13, 13 catches for one hundred and eighty seven yards and two touchdowns. That's not Cleveland's style, and that's not who Landry is anymore. That's who he was five years ago when he was with the Dolphins, but that's not him now. So the more points on the board, the better Cincinnati's chances are if this becomes a dogfight. I do like Cleveland's ability to probably to have the chance of stealing one on the road in a low-scoring close game just because of how these two teams are built. Right. Yeah. Cause the Browns, if they can get a lead, they can just, you know, they've got that best, probably the best offensive line in football. 
And Nick Chubb is an amazing running back where he'll get five yards a carry and has been averaging that uh, pretty consistently. So I, I like it. Let's go ahead and head on over into the next matchup here. The Denver Broncos are heading to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas favored by 10. The over-under on this one is 49 and a half. What are your thoughts here? So Denver Broncos are 4-4, four and four, and they're also 4-4 four and four against the spread this season. Um, in their victories, every single victory, they've covered the spread, and they've been favored in all eight games up to this point. Um, so their four losses, they don't cover. Well, this is going to be another loss, and I don't see them covering. <laughs> like, um, Dak is going to be back. Um, yes, CD Lamb is questionable, but they do get Michael Gallup back this week. All things are trending that way. So you see Cedric Wilson and what he was able to do last week with Cooper Rush. You still have Amari Cooper. And, oh, by the way, Zeke Elliott is still getting fed the ball. So I think it's just too much talent for the Broncos to deal with, and the Cowboys' defense is good enough to stymie you know, the, the, uh, Broncos attack, uh, Diggs will most likely switch on and off between Sutton and, and Judy. I don't see him following one of them around all game. So, you know, half the field essentially is going to be taken, taken away at any given time. And I just don't see how Teddy Bridgewater is able to keep this one close, even with their two headed attack on the ground they'll have to play catch up too soon in that game. So it'll get out of control here by the third quarter. And I expect the Cowboys to cruise. Um, and, and I'm going to, and I'll take the over in this one too. I think the Cowboys put enough points over to cover and get the over. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think you're probably pretty spot on there. Uh, from everything I've seen, it looks like, uh, it looks like um, CD Lamb is uh, set to play and and is is set to give it a go. Like that's the way things are trending there. So I think you'll finally see this Dallas receiving core kind of back at its full uh, potential there. And while um, you know Wilson has has been a good fill in there as that third wide receiver out there, uh, Gallup is still a better talent. So it'll be very interesting to see how. Uh, this one comes to play and and plays out there. Uh, but I think you're right. I don't think that the Broncos have enough to keep this game close and to the point where it actually makes me a little bit the fact that you've got CD banged up a little bit. Amari's been dealing with some things uh, for the last couple of games there as well. Uh, this could be one of those, uh, almost a little bit of a trap type of game for your Dallas wide receiving options in this one because of the fact that uh, you've got that banged up, things like that. Dallas could jump out to an early two-possession type of lead in the second quarter, and you see a healthy dose of Zeke and Pollard and thus limiting the, the fantasy production there on the Cowboys. So one of those that that does make me a little leery of playing my uh, Dallas receiving options in this one. But uh, I I like your call on that one. Dallas to cover the on the the over uh, to get hit on that one because yeah Dallas could easily put up thirty five points in this one and um, yeah. yeah I could see the Broncos putting up fifteen to twenty type of thing. So um, yeah I like it. I, I think Dalton Schultz is a great play this week just with mm-hmm. how the Broncos are struggling so much at getting. Um, linebacker depth all their backers are hurt at the moment so i do think that's a big deal and i think that even with cooper and and lamb kind of nursing some some injuries and now you have your burners back mm-hmm. in Gallup and wilson and we've seen in weeks past time and time again the broncos do struggle with that deep ball their safeties have not been communicating very well 
between Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. And uh, you bet it, they don't get enough of, of a pass rush for Dak to have to hurry and speed him up. So I expect Dak to take quite a few shots down the field in this game and see if that's how they start putting up some points. Then you can get everybody to back way off and you see a heavy Zeke and Tony Pollard presence late in the game um, once the pass rush has kind of gotten tired and and everything else. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. I like the I like it. Let's go ahead and head on over to Miami. Uh, the Dolphins are hosting the Houston Texans. Uh, Miami favored by five and a half over under on this one's 46 and a half. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, so the game opened at six and a half. It's now five and a half. Um, I, I like the Texans here. Like I know this has been, it's, it's a lot of people put money in early on the dolphins because of Tyrod. Like I think Tyrod's a big improvement over Mills. Like you will see a lot of Brandon cooks in this game, um, playing in the slot and lining up out wide. I, I do think that Tyrod's enough to, kind of keep this game interesting and this has sneaky shootout appeal. So I like the over in this game and I, I like the Texans to steal one. If, if Tyrod's good enough to play and him using his legs, it's going to be a different element that the dolphins um, weren't necessarily preparing for up to this point for the Texans. And, and Tyrod does open that up a little bit and he throws a good deep ball. Tyrod can throw the ball deep and he can scramble when he gets in trouble. So both those things, I think, are reasons to believe that the two worst teams in the NFL, and I say that even though Detroit's 0-8, but these are the two worst teams in the NFL right now. Um, and I think Texans are going to be just a little bit better than the Dolphins on Sunday. Yeah, I I could see that. I think I – I like the – I like this thing to be about a field goal type of game when it's all said and done. So I think the Houston or the Houston Texans will probably cover. I think the Dolphins will still still win this one. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see because Devontae Parker uh, went on to the IR earlier today. So that means that Miles Gaskin is fully in play on this one, right? Like where we see Miles Gaskin have some very good fantasy relevant type of games this year is when Devontae Parker's missed and the the Miami Dolphins receiving options become Jalen Waddle and Gasecki. Will Fuller still uh, not going to play in this one. So I look for those three to have very good uh, games here from a pass catching perspective with uh, Waddle probably getting about eight to eight to 10 targets in this one. You'll see Gasecki probably uh, come down with, I, I would imagine about five to six receptions. And then you'll see a steady dose of miles Gaskin actually out of the backfield uh, getting some receiving work and, uh, really bringing some things through like that. So I could see that one playing out very well on that aspect. Uh, but there's also some things on that that uh, intrigue me about Houston, right? You, you said that Tyrod's back and he's going to play Brandon Cooks. Um, yeah, that's where we saw a couple of really big games from Brandon Cooks was the Tyrod Taylor games. Uh, while Davis Mills has fed him pretty well, uh, that is, you know, Tyrod looks to him and looks to him a lot. So there's a couple of things that Tyrod does really well. One is scramble, use his legs and get up the field. And the other one is throw the, is throw a pretty good deep ball and, and not be afraid to take that shot. And so I see a, a couple of connections happening where you see Brandon Cooks have a pretty good game for fantasy in this one. Um, and that being the case, I see this one being a, a little bit of a shootout type of thing. So I like the over, I like the Dolphins to win, but I like the Texans to cover when it's all said and done. Any other thoughts on that one? No. Cool. 
Alrighty, this next one here should be an interesting one where the Atlanta Falcons are heading to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored by six and a half. The over under is 42. What are your thoughts here? I'm, I'm a little nervous of this spread. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous of it because Trevor Simeon is going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Um, his first start in what four seasons. Um, so that does make me a little nervous as much as I want Kyle Pitts to go off. I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to follow Kyle Pitts around the field because they're not scared by Tajay Sharp or Russell Gage or anybody else that the Falcons are going to trot out there. Their front seven's good enough to kind of stymie Cordell Patterson. So while I can see how we get to this six and a half pretty easily, the Falcons find a way to play the Saints tight. Like it's a divisional game. They know each other well. These games always seem to be within four or five points. And I know that's a weird number, but it's, you know, just kind of how they end up getting there sometimes. Um, So I, I'm going to take Atlanta to cover in kind of a, in kind of a shocker, right? We've seen New Orleans put up some stinkers against some bad teams um, so I'm going to take Atlanta to cover this one. Um, but I do think the saints find a way to win in the end. They're just defensively more talented. And I think they can stop Atlanta in the fourth quarter when it matters most. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like that thought there. And I, I've kind of right there with you. Um, because of the fact that, that, that AF that I'm sorry, that NFC South plays each other all very, very tough to the point where even when you see these guys and it shouldn't be a close game on paper, like the, they don't match up well with each other. They don't. Yeah. And this is, this one has a lot of that feel where these two don't necessarily uh, match up when both teams are fully healthy. Um, yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's not where we're at. These, these teams are both going to be missing critical pieces of, uh, you know, from the roster and from uh, from the field there. So I see Alvin Kamara having an absolutely huge day on this one. Uh, I'm not trusting really any of the Saints pass catchers out there. Uh, you know, Trevor Simeon is a check down machine. So again, I like I like Kamara to go off on this one. I don't necessarily know that I'm going to put any faith in uh, the Traquan Smith or the Marquez Callaways or uh, you know any of the other pass catchers out there in New Orleans. And on the same token, too, right, the Falcons. Um, while Kyle Pitts really needs uh, a Calvin Ridley type to uh, to rock and roll that one because of the fact that Calvin Ridley helps uh, open up coverage for him in this one. And that being the case with Calvin Ridley not going to be there, uh, I, I, I have a feeling that you're right, that they're going to shift um, – uh, they're, they're going to shift more, uh, Lattimore onto him and uh, provide some coverage that way to the point where it's going to not be an overly great matchup there. And so the question that I'm going to be watching when I'm watching this one is what does this look like from the Falcons on? Is it going to be a Tajay Sharp? Is it going to be a, um, a, you know, a, a gauge type of type of deal? And, and what do those guys look like in play? So I think this one's going to be a defensive battle here when it's all said and done. I think you'll probably see this thing somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 to 14, uh, 20 to 17 is, is where I'll call my shot on this one. So 20 to 17 uh, Falcons will cover the under to be hit the saints to win when it's all said and done on this one here. So um, 
yeah, I, I like it. Let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll head over. We've got some questions coming in here. Nate over on YouTube. Should I start Hopkins or DJ Moore? Um, Nate, the some of the things that I saw earlier today was that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be set to miss this game. Um, and the fact that he's also going to, and if he doesn't miss, he's going to be a game time decision. We saw that last week, what that looked like with, um, with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, where he, he tried to come through, he tried to uh, play through that and ended up having that one big play and then missed, uh, the majority of the rest of the game because that injury popped back up there. Um, and I'm looking this thing up here as well. It looks very much like it's going to be a game time type of decision. I thought I saw earlier today where, they had already ruled him out. My apologies for messing that one up for you already there. But uh, the fact that I'm going to take a DJ Moore, um, over a healthy DJ Moore over DeAndre Hopkins to start him on this one. Uh, you also got uh, Kyler, who's going to be a game time decision there as well. So that could uh, change some things around there. I get it that you're you very well may see a PJ Walker roll out there and. Uh, start for Carolina, but uh, DJ Moore healthy. I'm going to take the healthy player over the uh, the guy that's nursing a hamstring and is a game time decision and may miss time. So Kevin, real quick on your thoughts on should I start DeAndre Hopkins or DJ Moore? I'm going DJ Moore on this one myself. Yeah, I'm not loving either option this week. Hopkins is is really nursing that hamstring injury. Um, there's game time decisions, same as Kyler. Uh, DJ Moore is there's no injury designation, although you don't know who his quarterback's going to be. So I think both are going to have rough weeks. So at least with DJ Moore playing at the moment, he's coming into the game healthy. So that leads to more opportunities than what DeAndre could end up seeing. So um, I think DJ Moore is the player. Yeah. Well, and DJ Moore is also the type that he can house one from anywhere on the field. Um, so he's got that big playability where he could catch a quick slant over the middle, break, miss a, or make a guy miss, get up the field and, and, and house one from 70 yards out. And that just made your fantasy day there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as we've seen a lot of times, he takes a lot more volume to, to be, uh, to put up those big fantasy weeks there that we've come accustomed to seeing from him. Um, and with that hamstring, I don't see him having that big play type of ability. The fact that you also see Kyler, um, game time type of decision. Uh, again, leads me back to DJ Moore. So I like it. Same page there. You've got the uh, consensus there. Hey, Nate, thanks for tuning in. I know that this isn't the first time we've seen you in the chat, and we appreciate you tuning in and asking those ch- uh, those questions. Thank you very much. Let's go ahead and head on over to the next matchup here. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders heading to the New York Giants. The Vegas Raiders are favored by three, the over-under 46.5. Thoughts on this one? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why this game's only at three points. Me either. Like, I, I just, I think this is the Raiders all day. Like, the combination between Josh Jacobs and and um, Kenyon Drake, they're coming off of a bye, so they had two full weeks to for the coaching staff to kind of get a solid game plan together. Um, Kenny Galladay is still questionable. I think Kadarius Toney has a good game um, for the Giants. And I think Booker has a good game for the Giants as well. Um, but other than that, Darren Waller, I think we're going to see a lot more Darren Waller now. Like, you know, with, with Henry Ruggs uh, being dismissed from the team and, and released, they're definitely down a weapon. They're vertical passing threat. So we all kind of expect Zay Jones to do that. But Zay Jones is not the player or the speedster that Henry Ruggs was. So 
the Vegas Raiders are going to look a little bit different. And I, I expect them to trust their ground game. You'll see Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller kind of take care of the underneath stuff. And then it's a matter of can Brian Edwards establish himself as an X, like as a true X. And that, Derek, I know you and I were talking about this earlier, earlier mm-hmm. week. I, I think he can. I think Derek Carr needs to be more intentional about finding ways to get him the ball. And I say that only because he's the one throwing it. It really it's on the coaching staff, but just in general, keep the pressure off of Waller. Make sure that they're not just dropping, you know, bracket coverage on Waller. And you got to find ways to open that up. Well, you can do that by re- really being efficient through the run game, which Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake can force you to do that. And the other way is hit your guys outside. So when Brian Edwards is out there, hit him on those quick outs and those comebacks and some of these little routes. Get him in a rhythm early to make the defense pay attention to him. And that'll open up a lot of different things for Darren Waller. Yeah, I like it. I I, I think I'm right there with you. I don't know. Yeah, the the folks that uh, that did the spread on this one, you know, they obviously know some things that we don't on this one. But I don't see this one being a, a three point game at all. I see this one being uh, almost a two possession type of game when it comes down to it on the Raiders side of the ball. And when you look at it, Josh Jacobs has very good games for fantasy in wins. And I think that this one is going to be a Josh Jacob very heavy loaded type of game to the point where you'll probably see him get 20 plus opportunities in this one. And they're going to just run the ball on this one. The Giants give up a ton of points to opposing running backs. So uh, again, I think you're spot on there when you're talking about Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake having a very big game. I think that that's absolutely how this is going to play out. I think that you're going to see the the Raiders utilize, you know, Darren Waller when they need it, when they need to convert and when they need to pick up some, you know, a little bit longer yardage than what their ground game typically does. So uh, I, I see this one playing out very similarly to you. Um, I think that the air is going to be taken out of the taken out of the ball, especially on the Raiders side of it, who will just chew up the clock and, and keep this in a low scoring game. So I've got the the Raiders to cover and the under in this one. Any other thoughts? No, cool. sir. All righty. Let's go ahead and head over to Carolina, where the New England Patriots are heading to the Carolina Panthers. New England is favored by three and a half over under 41 on this one. What are your thoughts? Uh, I like New England here. I, I just they're kind of on a roll right now. They have things going with their ground game. Um, Mac Jones is being extremely efficient with the ball. Um, he's not making boneheaded rookie mistakes, which is, plays right into Belichick's hands. And his Patriots defense is really coming along. So uh, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, you know, uh, I don't know that it matters. I, I just think that the Panthers are going to be. On a struggle bus. I don't think McCaffrey plays this week either. I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors to make Belichick prepare for something that's not actually going to be out there. And, and you know, a little gamesmanship by Carolina, if you will. So I'm not expecting to see Christian McCaffrey. So it's it's just going to be um, it's going to be a game that Carolina's probably going to get down fairly early and they're going to have a hard time crawling back just because of how good this New England defense is. So fantasy purposes you hope that means good things for dj Moore, um that he's active and, and sees lots of targets in the comeback I, you know i'll take a garbage time touchdown just to help save a fantasy day right like it's all good but um i i i think this game 
is is a New England game all the way, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the under. I could see New England kind of run away and hide in this one, and it looks like 27 to 10 when it's all said and done with. Yeah, this one here seems like it's, it'll just be a defensive um, you know, the polite way of saying that it'll be a low scoring game of, it'll be a defensive struggle in this type of game. And really, I think that you're going to see a lot of, a lot of these teams just kind of try and keep the ball on the ground, take the, you know, keep it as a low scoring affair there. Uh, the fact that you're uncertain to who the, the, the Panthers quarterback is, you know, uh, PJ Walker adds a, another wrinkle to that, that, uh, the Patriots may need to prepare for and, yeah, you know, we saw him do some some pretty cool and interesting things back when the XFL was uh, on its you know reboot type of thing there, and he he showed some flashes there, and obviously enough to get an NFL contract out of it. But uh, again, I don't know that you're going to see enough from the Panthers' offense to be able to to do really much of anything. And and I don't know that I I'm even as bullish as you are on this one. I see this one probably ending closer to about a a 17 to 13 type of matchup in favor of new England or a, or a 14, 10 type of thing. Like this is going to be one of those that it's, it's going to be just a defensive struggle in, in my book. And I'm not, uh, this is the game that I'm, I'm glad that I don't have, I won't have to watch this one uh, because the Broncos will be playing at the, uh, the same time um, on the television. So um, at least we won't, uh, or at least so I, I won't have to, to watch this one there. Cause I don't know that, uh, if you're a fan of offense, this is not going to be a, a game to watch in, in my book there. But uh, that being the case, you've still got some some guys out there that I think are playable, right? Like DJ Moore, I think is playable in this one. Damien Harris is playable. Um, I don't know that I'm really going to be looking for any New England pass catchers in, in this one. Um, and the tight ends are going to be whoever comes down with a touchdown type of thing. So uh, again, a low scoring affair, in, in which case that, this one here, I may look to try and pivot if I've got Panthers or I've got Patriots that uh, that I'm having to put in my offensive or in my uh, fantasy lineups, just because of the fact they don't know that there's going to be enough uh, point scoring and yards in this one for it to have a fantasy relevant game. Any other thoughts there? Yeah, I I see your point. I don't know that I'm quite as down on the New England offense as you are after seeing what they did against um, the Chargers going out west. So I. I'm because of depth. I'm not playing um, Jacoby Myers, but the, honestly, there's there's two leagues that I have to play Jacoby Myers, and I'm okay with it. Um, same thing with Hunter Henry. There's a league where I, I have to play Hunter Henry because um, Hawkinson's out this week, and and again, I'm okay with it because he's the guy who's getting the touchdowns. Yes, Damian Harris, um, Chuba Hubbard's probably not a terrible play. Yeah. Uh, just volume. Right, volume based. Like, if you're going to attack New England, you want to get the ball out of your hands quickly, whether you're Sam Darnold or PJ Walker. So, you could see a lot of quick passes out to Chuba Hubbard to, you know, kind of bolster his uh, fantasy stats in a PPR type league. So, he, he's another guy that if you're hurting for running back, you know, it, it's it, you could probably play worse than Chuba Hubbard. Um, but uh, again, if McCaffrey goes, if and again, I don't think he will. But if he does, you have to put him in your lineup. Like he just commands so much attention and so much volume out of that offense. Um, you don't have the luxury of just sitting back and waiting with him. So if if McCaffrey's playing, you have to get him in your lineup. There's really no other choice for that. Um, and and yeah, outside of 
outside of DJ Moore and whichever running back starts for the Panthers, I'm staying away from all of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and head on over to the Buffalo Bills heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Buffalo's favored by 14 and a half. The over under is 48 and a half on this one. What are your thoughts? I I want to take the Bills just to go rough shot over the Jaguars, but we thought that happened last week against the Dolphins and and they got the cover. So mm-hmm. they found a way to cover the spread, but it was a low low scoring cover which I don't think any of us had pegged right. for that game, right? So well, it was three three at halftime. Like, that was <clears throat> yeah. Now part of that's a divisional game, right? Mm-hmm. The Dolphins understand the Bills and everything else, so you can chalk it up to some of that. Jacksonville does not, and and Brian Flores and his coaching staff is probably better than Urban Meyer and his. So, I again, I'm going to take Buffalo to cover. It's Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and and Emmanuel Sanders. And then you've been seeing a pretty good sprinkle in of the run game between Moss and Singletary. And while neither one are necessary fantasy fantasy darlings, if you will, um, for NFL purposes and in the game, they've been doing just enough to be efficient and keep things balanced. And it's probably been saving Josh Allen and uh, not forcing him to run the ball as much, which stinks if you're a fantasy owner. But if you're the Bills, you like to see that because you're saving your franchise quarterback. So um, I just I don't think Jacksonville has enough dogs in this. Uh, they're just not going to be able to keep up. James Robinson is looks like 50-50 shot, whether he's going to play or not. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde there. Carlos Hyde is not James Robinson. No. So that doesn't do anything for me. You'll probably see a lot of um, – uh, Devon Ozigbo, who they picked back up after um, New Orleans released him when they brought over Mark Ingram. So you might see some more Ozigbo this game. Um, But the Bills' rushing defense is, you know, top two or three in the league right now. So it's not like you're going to get a whole lot of production out of that. And Trevor Lawrence is still a rookie, and he hasn't quite uh, panned out as quickly as some rookie quarterbacks have in years past. So it's not like you can just say, well, he'll find a way to throw for 280 and three touchdowns. Like, eh, I think Trevor Lawrence might get 230 and a touchdown. Like, and then you're hoping he uses his legs to cover the rest of it. Like, that's what you need out of Trevor Lawrence in this game is a Trevor Lawrence who likes to run the ball, who picks up a couple long first downs with his legs, and, and they try and keep Buffalo off balance that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this one here, I think Buffalo uh, maybe looked past that Houston game last week, or the Miami game a little bit uh, last week there, just from the standpoint that they came out looking a little flat and then picked it up at, at the halftime after some adjustments were made. And, uh, you know, they kind of got their focus going through that one. So I don't see them having the same mistake uh, two weeks in a row here. So I think this is one that you're going to see them jump up early on this one. And because of the fact that uh, you know, typically when Buffalo gets up early, I, I think by the time you get to that mid to part, of, you know, halfway through that that third quarter and into the fourth quarter, you're going to see a very heavy dose of a Zach Moss uh, type of type of workload on this one. So I see him being very fantasy relevant this week. Uh, the, one of the things that I'm going to be looking at is you saw Cole Beasley get a massive target share 
uh, and have a really good fantasy game last week. You saw Mandel Sanders put up a goose last week, which really wasn't a what we had seen from this team beforehand. So that's one of those that I'm going to be looking at this one and just kind of seeing how that goes forward and seeing if that's you know if there's been a little bit of a shift that happens there as far as how they're going to scheme and do that kind of thing. Uh, I think Manny Sanders does have a bounce back type of week though. I do see that one happening. Um, you know Jacksonville again. I'm not looking to really play any of. Of these guys, maybe you might see Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones Jr. hook up on a long pass. But other than that, I'm looking to, to pivot off of any Jacksonville Jaguars that I have in this matchup and not looking forward to trying to play any of them. Any other thoughts there? No, I completely agree with that. I, I see a big Stefan Diggs week. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen that monster game out of him just yet. And, and the Bills, again, coming off of their bye week, having a chance to reevaluate themselves, to study the game, kind of get some extra reps in practice. Um, uh, go back to your bread and butter here and, and get right after a disappointing loss to Tennessee uh, two weeks ago. But uh, uh, Bills all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and head over to Baltimore. You got the Minnesota Vikings facing off against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are favored by 649 and a half is the over under on this one. What are your thoughts? I, our, our co-host Alex, right, would tell you that the Vikings play well when they're completely counted out and when they're expected to win, they crap the bed and it runs down their leg in front of everybody on national television, right? Like that's part of what he said on Tuesday. I don't know that I'm buying that necessarily. I think the Vikings are just not a good football team right now. Like I don't know if it's time for a new head coach or if they're just not buying into the system anymore or what that is. Um, But the Ravens are going to jump out. I think Kirk Cousins finds a way to be more efficient in the back end of the game through garbage time. So uh, do they cover? Mm, I don't think they do with Baltimore being at home. I say Baltimore by a touchdown. They cover the six. Um, but uh, I, I like the over here, though. I, I do like the fact I think they get to 50 points between the two teams. Um, definitely hoping for my own selfish reasons that Justin Jefferson kind of reemerges and they remember who the hell he is because the last couple weeks, Justin Jefferson has not been the focal point of that passing game. It's been uh, Adam Thielen. I'm really hoping for a Jefferson game here because I need it really bad. There you go. Um, and the, you may be onto something there. The Ravens typically, you know, where they're where they are exploitable is on the is on the ground through the run game. They they that's where they tend to give up the most points to opposing uh, fantasy players there. And yeah, you know, so this is one of those that do we see Dalvin Cook have a little bit more of a bounce back type of game? Really not a good game last week against Dallas. And I know a lot of folks were out there thinking that he would have a pretty decent game uh, going into that matchup and really just kind of laid up a ho-hum uh, production, especially for a guy that you know was drafted as in most cases as the second RB off the board. And depending upon your format, a very early first round pick. Um, so that being the case, I think that you're going to see Minnesota actually keep this one a little bit tight, a little bit close. Um, I see this one being about a field goal type of game when it's all said and done. And I think that you're going to see about a 27, 24 type of type of deal. So I do see the overhitting. I do see Minnesota uh, covering. Uh, it very well might be a back end type of back end backdoor type of cover. It wouldn't surprise me there. Um, but yeah, I think the Ravens are also looking to come out there and, and prove that, um, they're better than they're better than their last outing there where they were expected to beat a team pretty good. And then the, 
the Bengals showed that uh, that wasn't to be the case. So I think that they've still got a little bit of something to prove there. They've they're coming off the the bye there, and so I think that you'll see some some pretty good uh, pretty good scoring um, out of this one, and you'll see a lot of very fantasy relevant players uh, go off. Any other thoughts? No, I think that sums it up. All righty, let's go ahead and look at the Los Angeles Chargers heading over to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chargers are favored by one and a half. The over-under is 50 on this one. What are your thoughts? Here's another game where I just can't get to only a point and a half. Like, mm-hmm. again, the, the, the people who set the lines get paid to know a hell of a lot more than we do, but I'm just not buying it. Like, I, I think that the, the Chargers – will come out, will play better. Yes, they're not as good against the run, but guess what? The Eagles don't run the ball very well. So they will be all right. I think this is a game that Justin Herbert can start to get right. We'll see Austin Eckler um, show up, and and he'll put forth his normal uh, productive stat line. I think Mike Williams starts to get back involved here with what worked with them early on in the season. Um and I think the Chargers end up running away with this game. I think the over gets hit again because Jalen Hurts is good for two or three touchdowns a game. Like, he just is. Um, but Justin Herbert is in a different stratosphere than Jalen Hurts is as far as just quarterback play in the NFL. So uh, Chargers um, Chargers all the way. And I don't know that it's going to be overly close when it's all said and done with. No, I I'm right there with you. I don't I don't know how much of this line got influenced by the way that the Eagles looked last week versus you know coming out and, and just putting up a monster game up against the Detroit Lions, but it was the Detroit Lions that they were playing. It wasn't like they were playing one of the the premier teams in the league and, and one of the, the best defensive teams. Like the Lions have are are an Ofer team right now. And uh, there was a lot of folks that going into that matchup thought that that was a game that the Eagles could lose. So uh, I think that the Eagles use some of that bullet tone board material to come out there and, and uh, just put a whooping up a quick, fast and in a hurry, but I don't see them being able to hang in this game. Uh, I think that you're, I think you're right. I think you're going to see the Chargers jump out quick on this one and really play with the battle play of play, at least a possession ahead. Most of this game um, to the point where you'll see, the Eagles really become one dimensional and it'll kind of revert back to what we've seen a lot of times with, uh, with Jalen hurts in previous parts of the season where he's doesn't show up well, you know, for fantasy for the first half, first three quarters. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, uh, really try and explode and, and end up with a pretty decent fantasy game for you. So I can absolutely see that narrative playing out there, but I think you're right. I think this one's going to be something to the standpoint of, you know, you see the chargers probably put up 30, 35 points on this one. And the Eagles, you know, put up right about 20, uh, when it's all said and done. So I like the over, but I like the chargers by a mile in this one. Um, any other thoughts? Yeah. Very good. Let's go ahead and head on over to, the Green Bay Packers are heading to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by seven and a half over under on this one is 48. What are your thoughts here? So before this line's moved a lot in the last week. Uh-huh. So before the Monday night game, the Chiefs were favored by three and a half. After the Monday night game, the Packers were favored by one. Then Aaron Rodgers test positive for COVID. 
And now we're all the way back up to seven and a half. Like this game has moved a ton from when they first released it. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, is he worth eight and a half points? Against like, a bad Chiefs defense. Uh, yeah, like I, and I don't know that Jordan I don't know that Jordan Love is going to be, you know, out of this world, but Devonta Adams is there. You still have um Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Um you might actually see a bit more of a diverse passing game with Jordan Love there. So, um you know, uh Alex Lazard Hard, yeah. and Randall Cobb and obviously Adams. So, you can see this get spread out a little bit more than what Rodgers typically does, which is going to force the Chiefs to cover more of the field. And when you can spread them out like that, that's when they suffer. I think something that the Packers will do that will be different than the past couple weeks that might help this is the Packers aren't going to sit in a deep cover two shell. Like, I, I don't see them playing that way. So it will lead to more deep shots and big play opportunities for Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs. And, and so, you know, do I think Tyreek still gets his? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's just a matter of can they contain Tyreek enough to continue the frustration that Patrick Mahomes has kind of shown through his play the last couple of weeks. Um, ultimately, with Rodgers being out, it's too much to overcome for the Packers. So I do expect Kansas City to cover – or I, don't, I do expect Kansas City to win, but Kansas City is not a team that covers very often, right? They, they just have not done it very well in the last couple seasons. So I think the Packers find a way to keep this within a touchdown and cover the game. So um, it should be a fun one to watch. I'm uh, glad that it's not the Sunday night game without Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. So I guess kudos to us. It'll still be on everybody's market for the most part. Um, so we'll still get to watch it, but it's not going to be primetime television. So uh, Chiefs win, Packers cover. And 48. I'm going to tell you that's the. Mm, I like the push. Mm-hmm. That's a bummer. Um, I'm going to tell you it's the under with the way that with the way that the Chiefs' offense has not looked so so great, and the pack of Packers having a backup quarterback. I'll take the under. Yeah, I like the under as well. And it, you're right that this line has has gone forward, backward, and, and every other way on this one. So. Um, I think you're right. I think the unders hit. I think this one is is an interesting matchup because of the fact that you know, this could be one of those that you see a heavier use of AJ Dillon and a he- heavier utilization of AJ Dillon than we probably have ever seen uh, in his tenure there as well. Just from the standpoint that I could see them uh, really trying to establish the run, trying to uh, you know try and control the clock a little bit more so on this one because again, you know one of the best ways to beat the Chiefs is to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and. You know, when you keep them off the field, you typically also keep them uh, to a lower scoring game there as well. So, uh, you know, the Chiefs become very beatable if you can keep them around, you know, keep them under 30 points type of thing. And one of the best ways to do that is just keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, even though, you know, he's had more turnovers uh, this year than we've seen in really at any other point in his career. But I like the league. Yep. Yep, and and a lot of that just comes from the fact that I think he's pressing a little bit too much because he's trying to do things, uh, you know, more so than than what we've seen in the past. And 
Um, you know, we've seen some other great quarterbacks kind of go through that where they come off of a couple of really good years. They get, uh, and then they try and press a little bit. They try and make things happen. They try and do some of this stuff and it ends up not working out. And, and then, uh, you see that, that maturation, uh, start to take place again. And then you see a better result going forward. And I think this is just kind of that season for him that we've seen with a lot of other quarterbacks in the past, right? Like a lot of times it used to be called a sophomore slump type of thing when you'd see a starting quarterback come in light the world on fire and then the next season have that we didn't really see that with Patrick Mahomes we saw him come in light the world on fire and just continue to light the world on fire and I think this could be that that one where the league has kind of caught up with him a little bit um yeah the that Super Bowl kind of given a blueprint as far as you know how to how to really play the Chiefs and how to play Patrick Mahomes and uh now it's come time for them to you know understand that and how to move forward with that. I think they'll, they'll get it right and they'll get it figured out. Um, So I think he'll be all right going forward. But again, this one here, lower scoring game chiefs win, but the Packers cover on this one. And I like the, I like the running back options out there in green Bay. So I've got AJ Dillon. I've got Aaron Jones. I'm looking to play him. Any other thoughts here? You know, this just popped into my mind. If looking back, there was a prop through eight weeks, what category Patrick Mahomes would be leading the league in, what the odds would have been on interceptions, right? Like yards, you know, touchdowns, uh, you know, completion percentage, all the different things, right? But I don't know the interceptions. Uh, You'd have had some pretty long odds and – it would have been a nice little payday if anybody would have thrown some cash down on that. Yeah, I, and a lot of folks before the season, I think, would have been thinking that that would have been a fool's errand. Um, turns out that uh, turns out that that uh, not to be the case. All righty, let's go ahead and head over to another divisional matchup here. The Arizona Cardinals heading to the Bay to play San Francisco 49ers. The Niners <laughs> are favored in this one by one and a half. The over-under is 45. What are your thoughts here? Um. Uh, I think I like the night. So for the longest time, the Niners were plus one. And that's when I really liked the Niners. Um, one now they're favored by one and a half. Okay, fine. And actually, as I'm looking at bet MGM, now it's two and a half. So it's moved even since we started the show. So that kind of tells you where everyone's thoughts are with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins being um, game time decisions. If they don't go, I don't see how Arizona stays in this game very much. Um, now, it can be a low-scoring game. Uh, if they don't go, I think the under is extremely possible um, because Debo Samuel's also fighting a calf injury. So we might actually get to see a lot of Brandon Ayuk in this game. Um, ultimately, Elijah Mitchell's questionable, but it's really a pain tolerance deal. He's hurt. He's not injured. So I expect him to kind of take – the the workload of carries again so he's a must start for you um i i think i think brandon Ayuk. if you're scratching for for flex play i i like brandon Ayuk this week um with Debo's calf and and everything else because if the niners feel like they have this game in, under control uh they're not going to risk Debo. like he's been really good for them through their first seven games um he does have a bit of an injury history behind him. So hopefully Kyle Shanahan's at least cognizant of that and making sure that the team doctors are really talking to Debo, making sure they understand exactly how he feels and being able to make it work. I mean, if, if the Dallas Cowboys 
can sit Dak Prescott, who isn't running routes. He's in the pocket and, yes, scrambles a little bit, but, you know, not doing as much exertion, explosion, if you will, um, than what Debo would do. If the Cowboys are sitting Dak and these injuries are anywhere similar, um, you got to figure the Niners should tell Debo, hey, we, we will find a way to get this done without you because we need you down the stretch for us to have any sort of a chance in hanging in in uh, the NFC West because that division is very, very difficult right now. Yeah, I mean, you got two teams sitting at the top of it with the uh, Rams being 7-1, and one, the Cardinals being 7-1. and one. Uh, You know, that uh, you're going to really have to be trying to fight. Like, uh, at this point, right, the, the Niners are already three games, three and a half games back of each one of those teams. So you're coming down to the stretch where they've got to win and they've got to start picking up ground in order to, to even try and stay in a hunt for a divisional uh, for a divisional title, um, much less the wild card type of thing because of, of how those things are going. But, um, yeah, and this is another interesting one too because it's looking like George Kittle is slated to return in this one. Uh, so you could see, you know, you could see one of those that if Kittle's back, they could also take that route too with uh, limiting uh, Debo in this one and uh, and really kind of while he's an active player, give him an active rest type of game uh, where he comes in there, does a you know a little bit here and there, but if the game's in hand, I think you're right. I think they're going to pull him and really limit his work, which will definitely limit his upside for fantasy for you. Uh, same thing too with the Cardinals. If uh, Kyler's out on this one, I see it becoming. Um, yeah, I really see this, and and AJ Green also is in the uh, the protocol as well. So uh, there's a good chance that you're going to see Arizona missing Kyler, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and AJ Green. And at which point now you're looking at them have to bring in Rondell Moore, uh, Christian Kirk to try and fill in for AJ Green and D Hop. And now it's a Zach- <laughs> there you go. Uh, absolutely. And then it's a, uh, uh, it's a Zach Ertz type of week in, in that one for me, as, as far as I see that one going. And I'm also looking at playing a lot of chase Edmonds type of thing. Let them, you know, really, really having help utilize him in the passing game and really kind of get him out on the edge, get him some screen passes, things like that. And let him, uh, get up the field and, and work a little bit and get, get away from that San Francisco front four, uh, which has been very, very good against running backs. So you, you manufacture some touches for him and use the screen game, use that short, very short passing game as an extension of the run game. I can see that one happening um, as well, especially if you if you're missing both a Kyler and all the other weapons out of Arizona. But uh, yeah, this one here is an interesting one. I see, I see this one definitely being on the underside of this thing. This one really kind of almost has the feel of like a 21-18 type of game to me. And that being the case, if it's able to stay lower scoring like that, I think the Niners actually probably pull this one out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, though, because if the Niners lose this one, what does that look like going forward for that quarterback room there? Like, do you start going to Trey Lance and getting him some reps there and being outside of uh, – you know, being out of the divisional race type of thing, being outside of that, or or you just keep plugging and chugging with Jimmy Garoppolo and let uh, let Trey Lance just sit and learn the playbook. I I think I, I think the Niners will stick with him because outside of the division leaders, you have the Saints who are five and two and a half game back at Tampa Bay, um, and then. 
Yeah, Carolina's four and four, but they're a sloppy four and four. I don't know that you're worried about them making a run down the stretch. So because of where some of these secondary teams are in all these divisions, they're not out of it for that wild card race with that, you know, with that extra team starting to make the playoffs now. So even if they lose this game, I, I still think we're a week or two away from Shanahan throwing the towel in and putting Trey Lance in, but it's definitely going to create a whole lot of chatter if the Cardinals find a way to beat the Niners the same way the Packers did without, well, maybe not quite the same, but with the Packers finding a way to beat the Cardinals last Thursday without Devonte Adams. And, and, you know, anytime you lose a game when your opposing team is missing their star or star players, um, it raises flags on how competitive is your organization at the moment, or if you just need to punt and reevaluate. Right. And even if they decide to punt, like they don't have some of those draft picks to try and try and do that. So that could be an interesting thing. Yeah, to make well, Them punting has to be, all right, we got to figure out what we can do. Like how does this offense change under Trey Lance? Like, can we get him right. some meaningful snaps? Um, yes, we saw him in the one game, but you know, can we, can we do some things with him that, um, we can't do a Jimmy G and does it spark this team enough to at least give you a building block for the years to come. Absolutely. Uh comment coming in on Twitter uh, at HKFFL news uh, says Jimmy G all day. So he wanted to chime in with the, uh, the Jimmy G thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you watching. Appreciate you commenting guys. If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, throw them out here in the chat. We love talking and interacting with you. Let's go ahead and head over to the Sunday night game. And that is a Tennessee Titans team heading to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams favored by seven in this one, the over under 53. What are your thoughts on this guy? Uh, The Tennessee secondary is still bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And throwing the ball is what the Rams do best right now. Um, Yes, Daryl Henderson's been – very solid. I think he's RB 11 for the season right now. Um, so he's been very productive, but this Rams team is going to go as far as Matt Stafford and Cooper cup can take them. Um, Woods is questionable, but trending towards playing it sounds like, so I'm not overly worried about that. Um, the biggest, the biggest question that everybody has is what does the Tennessee offense look like without Derrick Henry? Mm-hmm. Now, the Titans have come out and said, look, we're not going to reinvent the wheel just because we're down Derrick Henry because it wouldn't make any sense for us. Well, to some extent, yeah, that's true. But on the other half, like, dude, you just lost, you know, the best running back in football season to date. Right. Um, that That's a big loss in everything that he did for that offense. And you bring in Adrian Peterson, you have Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols to catch some passes out of the backfield. But how much volume is Peterson going to see? I mean, he's coming off the streets. They're saying he's in good shape, but there's a difference between being in good shape and being in football shape. And all these athletes will tell you that. Um, And the last thing that you want to have happen is you bring Peterson out there and he's not in game shape. And all of a sudden now he tweaks a hammy and now you're down to running back again and you're starting the whole process over. So, a lot of questions for Tennessee, right? Like, and that's the biggest thing. So throughout all this and, and this entire you know monologue and, and rambling about this game, it's the Rams. Like I, I have the Rams. I think they're going to cover the seven. Um, 
And and I, I don't know that this game does quite get to the over. I don't know that Tennessee can find themselves enough with Jalen Ramsey covering A.J. Brown. And if Julio plays great, but Julio's not the same guy he was four, you know, two, three, four years ago. So you're not having to worry about him as much. So I just don't see Tennessee creating enough offense to hit the over. So Rams cover in the other. Yeah, I this is one of those that I was a little shocked when I when I saw this one and the line come through on this one where it only being seven points. I really thought that being down at Derrick Henry would have moved this line uh, closer to a double-digit type of spread, and that didn't happen. Uh, so I'm liking the Rams on this one, and I like the I like what you're talking about too with it being kind of the under on this one because I think that you're going to see the uh, you know ultimately see the Rams jump out on this one and, and put up probably right around uh, 30 points on this one, but I don't know that I see the Titans really getting past about 21. So that's kind of how I see this one playing out is really kind of a a 30 21 type of. Uh, of game there, which allows the Rams to cover and has the under hit on it just uh, just barely, but it still hits. And I think you're right that you're going to see a heavy dose of Jalen Ramsey on A.J. Brown. And that also starts adding some other intrigue to this one, because what does that look like? Because where A.J. Brown has really excelled is play action. And that's where we've seen both Ryan Tannehill and that A.J. Brown connection come to play, especially on some of those big, long gainers are the ones where – play action up over the top. AJ Brown runs through a guy, makes a guy miss and, and houses one. And you know, you've seen that happen many, many times where he has a, a 30, 40, 50 yard touchdown in a lot of these games, but without Derrick Henry there to help keep the box solid and put, you know, that eight box, eight man in the box type of thing. What does that really look like? And I don't know that, uh, that you're going to see AJ Brown, uh, be as open as we've seen him in the past there, just because of the fact that, uh, you're right. Like, Adrian Peterson, while is a is a monster and is a beast and, and one of uh, can certainly be in the conversation for one of the all time backs of the league just from what he's done over the past. That those days are are behind him. And if memory serves right, I think he's thirty six years old. Like this is one of those that we don't see uh, guys come through. Uh, you know, running backs. The, him and Frank Gore, right? Right. I mean, right. that's that's really the list. Right. You know, another guy that sits there and, and and talks about that he could he could have gone much later, things like that is a guy like Herschel Walker. But you again, you're talking about very generational type of players that have a very specific type of build, have a very specific type of running style in the NFL that you see being able to have these longer careers and and have that kind of deal. But Adrian Peterson doesn't have the burst that he had uh yeah, that that he had you know, ten years ago. So when you look at those types of things, like even where we saw Derrick Henry break through the line and then rattle off a, a 70 or an 80 yard touchdown deal, you're going to see, you'll, you'll see Adrian Peterson still bust through the line because that line's still opening up the same holes. He'll bust through it, get through it. But now you're talking about maybe a 10 or 15 yard type of gainer, not a, and, and it's almost ready. like we, we can read each other's thoughts because that's what I was just getting ready to say that. And you're spot on, right? You're spot so, on. It's like we, it's like you and I talk about football a lot. Right. And, and uh, how much more do you think Tannehill will use his legs? I think he has to use them a fair bit more. And I would uh, agree with that. That that's kind of my thought too. And, and you know, yes, he's going to have to throw the ball probably a little bit more. Man, it's probably not as efficient. But do we make up for some of that fantasy wise by being able to count on the fact that Tannehill will break break out? 
of the pocket a little bit more and and scramble for these extra yards, knowing that um, his all pro running back isn't there to kind of make make up a bad play on the next down, right? Like you don't you don't have the room for error that you did with Derrick Henry and him being able to, you know, make those chunk plays and, and, you know, second and 13 and he busts one for 15, 16 yards and Hey, it's first down and you know, no harm or hell, even if he gets 10 and then it's at least third and manageable. Like I don't see the Titans being able to do that and cover up their sins. So to me, that means Tannehill has to break loose a little bit more and start running for some of those extra yards and find ways to, I say cheat the game, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's those extra hidden yards to help save drives and extend drives that uh, he didn't have to do with Henry. Now he has to. Right. Well, the other thing too, that'll be interesting to see is what the split is for Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson, because I think this week you're going to see a heavier dose of Adrian, uh, of Jerry McNichols with it shifting to Adrian Peterson as the season goes along, uh, you know, to the point of what you were saying that allows, uh, Adrian to get in a little bit of a football type of shape there and, and um, you know, really kind of, kind of get acclimated back to the the game after, um, you know, being off for half of a year at this point. So I could see that one happening, but Jeremy McNichols was a very capable runner in college and it's been a little while. It's been a little removed there, but uh, you know, I was looking that up and he had a 1700 yard rushing season uh, as a primary back at Boise State back when he was in college. So he's got some running ability. He's got some chops. Obviously, he made it to the NFL on that, and we just haven't necessarily seen him uh, showcase that. But uh, that's one of those that that's something that I'm going to be looking at over the next couple of games primarily is to see what this difference is going to be as far as between Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, and how that allows Tannehill to set up that play-action pass to A.J. Brown, um, things like that. So – uh, this one here, not as intriguing as it necessarily was uh, maybe two weeks ago, but uh, still a lot of intrigue here and a lot of storylines that I'm going to be watching to see how this thing ultimately plays out. Any other thoughts on this one? No, I think we've covered covered this. Very cool. Let's go ahead and head on over to the Monday night game where the Chicago Bears are heading to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers favored by six and a half over under 39 points. What are your thoughts here? It's a big spread for only 39 points. Uh-huh. And, and while the the Bears haven't moved the ball well, the Steelers really haven't either. Like Big Ben, does still he still doesn't look great, right? Like, And ultimately, it's going to come down to which quarterback can make the play at the right time. Um, and then it's going to be on the running game. Like you'll, there's rumors floating around that um, you could see Monty back. I, I hope for his sake that they don't bring him back because it feels like they're pressing and they really don't have a reason to press at this time. Like uh, one opinion that I was looking at earlier is the reason that they're hurrying Monty back is because um, Williams went down and now he's injured. And, and that made the most sense out of any argument that I've heard with it. But man, even if Monty's back, I mean, don't start him like where you where I said earlier you start McCaffrey because you have to Monty's not the same caliber back and I think if he comes back it will be to spell Herbert in this game and yep. watch Twitter blow up about that but here's going to be the reason why it's because he's not ready it's not his if he plays it's out of necessity not out of you know him truly being ready so I could see him with you know six seven eight touches 
to kind of start working him back, but they don't want him to re-aggravate it and then be down during the stretch. Like they really like David Montgomery while um, Kula Herbert has done a good job in relief. It, it It is still Monty's rodeo. They have said as much, and I do believe them when they say that. What I'm hoping to see out of this game is Justin Fields to kind of use last week's game against the Niners and what he was able to do on the ground and catapult that forward. And what can you do? Because he's going to have to be a little agile. TJ Watt will try and tee off on him. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, what are you able to do? Can you make just enough plays in the passing game and then find a way to get another 70 yards on the ground? Because that's going to, that is the Bears recipe for success right now. They can't do it through the air. Um, but with both quarterbacks kind of struggling, that's a big spread to cover on a short line. So um, I, I, I'm going to tell you we hit the over, but I'm going to tell you that the Bears cover. I think six and a half is too big for the Steelers team right now. Even with as good as Najee Harris has been playing, he can't be the only one that shows up. Ben has to find a way to connect with um, Deontay Johnson a couple times and and Chase Claypool deep a couple times to keep that defense back because if the Bears are able to sneak up, um, Leonard Floyd – or not Leonard Floyd, excuse me um, – Roquan Smith and company there for the Bears do a good job of stopping the run and Roquan can get sideline to sideline to stop a lot of those quick intermediate routes. Absolutely. This one has the feel of like a 21-18 type of game for me. Like that's 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 really how that kind of and and so at that point I want to almost just say it's a push on the on the over under there but um that being the case I'll root for the points and say the over uh with that one and you know let's say that this thing gets to uh, you know, twenty three twenty type of deal in favor of the Steelers. But uh, I, again, this is one of those that you know you're going to see Pittsburgh just try and dink and dunk this thing all the way through, right? You'll pr- still see Big Ben probably try and take a shot or two down the field to chase Claypool. Um, whether or not that they connect on one of those, that's a that's a whole other story. Big Ben hasn't looked good on really throwing the ball down the field on those deeper passing routes there. Uh, this one here for me, to, again, comes down to the fact of who's calling the plays for the Chicago Bears. Is it Does Matt Nagy take over the play calling again, or is are they going to let the guy that they that called it in his absence last week call those plays? Because um, like that's, that's the Justin Fields that I think everybody had hoped to see and had wanted to see. Uh, when they when he was drafted into the NFL was uh, the version you got last week, not this you know trying you know very play scripted type of thing and, and really trying to uh, you know take the ball out of his hand and, and trying to manage a game um, that we've seen all the other weeks, but letting him actually use use some of his playmaking ability to open things up. And if he does that, that's why I think that this one's going to be closer because. Um, I think you can see Justin Fields, you know, rattle off probably 200 yards on the ground and probably about 60 yard. I'm sorry, 60 yards on the ground, about 200 through the air, and, and probably get about a touchdown or two. Um, probably one and one a piece on that one, and and be a, a, a relevant for fantasy. Um, yeah, but, it, if yeah. Matt if Matt Nagy values his job at all, he has to take the chains off of Justin Fields mm-hmm. and say, just go make plays, relax. And go make plays. If it's not there, throw it away, which is fine. Or if you can break containment and get out and go pick up six, seven yards, go do it. Because right now we don't have anything else to lose. We're a bad football team right now. And Matt Nagy needs Justin Fields to 
improve this second half of the season for Matt Nagy to have a job come January. Otherwise, he's going to be one of the first coaches we see on um, Black Monday, and he'll be out the door. Right. I mean, that was one of those that he was supposed to be the quarterback guru and this offensive genius and things like that. And, you know, we've, we saw it with one top, uh, top end quarterback pick in the first round and make it through a rookie contract and not work out there in that system. And now we're seeing almost a repeat of that similar type of thing there as well. So I would agree with you that, uh, unless they allow him to really take the, uh, open the playbook up and really allow him to be the dynamic playmaker that he can be. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think you'll see um, the brass there in Chicago decide that a change is needed at the leadership of the uh, of that one as well. So, speaking of Trubisky, uh-huh. he's on a one year contract with the Bills for this season. What are the odds that he signs in Carolina to provide a little bit of pressure against Sam Darnold? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, right? Like that's one of those that. Uh, I think the 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 Panthers at this point have got to be wondering like why did we do this deal and ship Teddy out of town because I, you know, if you're the Panthers Teddy was at least supporting three different three thousand or three different one thousand yard receivers last year and we've seen the massive disappearing act from uh, from Robbie Anderson Curtis Samuel isn't there but you know we were all expecting Terrence Marshall to step up and have a a pretty decent uh, decent run for a rookie here that one. Uh, even when he was healthy, wasn't happening. DJ Moore, uh, you know, isn't really getting catchable balls down there. And Sam Darnold is not the not the guy that I think they really thought that they were going to be getting. And and what I'm curious about is what in the world happened there from the first three games that we saw Sam Darnold come out and be a world beater into this regression into a very much of what we are used to seeing from him when he was with his days of the Jets. So uh, one, it would one dimensional offense where they're not worried about Chuba Hubbard. No, that could be, that could be. And I, again, I think that just showcases, you know, where Sam's, uh, you know, talents lie and where the, um, where the ability truly is there on that one. So it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in another, another guy down there in Carolina, uh, whether it be through a free agency thing or if, even through the draft type of thing there. Um to see what they can they can do to to really put a little bit of pressure there and, and really give him some competition too. Yeah, I'm just looking through. I'm trying to think what teams are going to need quarterbacks next year, right? Like we just went through this slate, and the Browns I don't feel like are ready to give up on Baker yet. No, some of that's been on Baker. Some of that's because I think the Browns just don't want to start another quarterback. Um, the Broncos. The, there, there's rumors swirling already again about Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what comes from that. Um, Texans, yes, they'll probably get another quarterback. So, I mean, there's some options for him for sure, but it's not going to be – there's not a whole lot of options out there, honestly. Like, No, it's, it's not like this last year where you had – like when we, when we do that quarterback carousel episode and we start looking at some of those things, this last year it was – kind of bonkers as far as, you know, which who's moving here and who's moving that and the vacancies and all of those different things that played out there. Normally when we get to do that, we're talking about maybe four or five options in this last year. It felt like, you know, we were going through for an hours just talking about the QB carousel on these things. So yeah. I think you're right. Um, and, and it's one of those two that's like, you're, you're right. I saw a bunch of articles pop up earlier today with the Aaron Rodgers to Denver type of thing. And um, yeah, 
that's one of those that you know, we've seen that same narrative play out all the way since we were live doing draft day coverage back in April on that. And some of that news broke. And guess what? The pieces still fit the same pieces that were there, both for on the field and off the field type of things for him potentially being a fit down here in Denver. Um, that same narrative holds true there. But, you know, the question becomes of, you know, what does that ultimately look like? And, um, you know, does he want to keep playing and, and all of that? Because again, this isn't one of those that, uh, you know, he's a, he's a quarterback in his mid thirties and chasing that last, you know, chasing a championship type of thing. Uh, this is a quarterback that's already what I believe he's 38 and turns 39 next year. Like that's usually the point where we see um, every quarterback, not named Tom Brady fall off a, a massive hill or massive cliff type of thing there. And Aaron Rodgers could be a little bit different um, in that aspect there as well. But um, I don't, I don't know what that looks like and, and what that continues. So that could be a, an interesting thing that continues to develop, but one of those that, again, I'm putting about as much stock in it now as since we've been seeing the same narrative play out for, what is this, 11 months now or seven months now. So could be very interesting to see. And, and that could be another potential type of thing. But I think the Broncos realize that Teddy Bridgewater may not be necessarily the answer to unlocking that offense. But, you know, yeah. What, what will be interesting is no matter what Rogers does, does he try and bring Devonte Adams along with him? Now the Packers could franchise tag Adams. And this is a conversation that I'm sure we will talk about at nauseum in the off season, but for the sake of, Argument in the offseason, could you see the Broncos? I mean, try and trade Cortland Sutton away in a way to get Rodgers and Adams both on cushier deals. Possibly, um, Adams will be 30 next season, which is typically the wide receiver break, as Rodgers is you know gonna be 39 and. We talked about the quarterback break. So, you know, do you put them both on three-year deals and say, all right, you know, here's what we have. You have Jerry Judy to go along with Devontae Adams to help keep some pressure off of him. You have Noah Fant, which is a better tight end than you've ever played with, honestly. And our defense is better, uh, you know, holistically, or so they claim. I don't know. Um, <laughs> hasn't necessarily translated hasn't, much. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're behind every game, right? So – yeah, I don't know. Just food for thought. Like I said, I know we'll talk about this at nauseum during the offseason, but it is something to keep an eye on is will Rogers try and bring along Adams wherever he goes? Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see something like that going on. And again, that's one of those that will, uh, you know, a lot of February, March and April will be heavily discussed around all those type of topics and and those movements and things like that. So um well, we got a, a question coming in here. Let's go ahead and hit this one up. Um, I am a bot on uh, YouTube. I, you know, I don't know that you're necessarily a bot, but we'll go ahead and answer your question anyway. My brain hurts thinking about making trades to make my team better. Uh, it can be for best. It can yeah. be for the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah. That's some of the things that you've got to look at when you're looking at your fantasy roster and your fantasy construct and what that team is going to look like down the playoffs. And sometimes you got to make some trades to, to get your roster over the hump and over the, uh, the hill there just to get the, uh, get that edge heading down to the playoff stretch. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I know that Tuesday night we kind of started it. We'll continue to highlight it going forward, but um, 
we're definitely starting to highlight guys, you know, here before the fantasy football trade deadline, you know, who are guys that you should be going after? Um, who are guys that you should keep around and who are guys that you should try and move off of? So it is a segment that we've, you know, started talking about a little bit. I know some of the guys that we're thinking will have good back of the season runs are, you know, David Montgomery, um, I uh, still think Miles Gaskin has the potential to have a good back of the season run. Um, I, I like Kadarius Tony as he continues to get acclimated to the NFL. This is typically when you see rookie receivers start to elevate their game as things slow down for them. So, you know, Kadarius Tony is a wide receiver to keep an eye out for um, that type of thing. But it, it absolutely is mind-numbing at times and especially you know if you're in multiple leagues trying to keep them all straight and figuring out what you need to do in each league to remain competitive and and get your push ready for the playoffs it is uh it's a challenge to say the least absolutely absolutely well guys if you have any other questions or comments things like that let's go ahead and get them out here we'll uh we're going to start signing up and wrapping up. So if you have any questions, things like that, that you're looking for some advice heading into this weekend, I uh, hit it up real, real quick here, but uh, Kevin, any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, no, just pay attention to injuries, right? The Kyler deal and Deandre with it being the two thirty game. So if, it might come down to it that you just have to play guys playing at 11 o'clock or, or start 1 PM Eastern. Um, just so that you're not fighting that headache. So make the right decision for your roster. Some points are better than goose eggs in all situations. So if, if you're not believing that Kyler Murray is going to play and it doesn't really seem like it, but it's game time decision. You know, if you have another option, play it. Um, and, or grab someone off a waiver wire, uh, you know, if Tannehill's still out there or, um, heck, even if it's Justin Fields or Ben Roethlisberger for Monday night, right? Like chances are one of those two guys is sitting on your waiver wire in single quarterback leagues. So have Kyler in and then pay attention to the injury report 90 minutes before kickoff. And if you have to pull Kyler out of your lineup, you better be ready to dump someone and pick up a quarterback who can play. Um, so maybe it's a Jordan Love, maybe it's a Justin Fields, maybe it's a Ben Roethlisberger. Those are kind of your uh, Jimmy G playing at the same time. Um, so you got to just kind of keep an eye on that and be be able to pivot um, if you're going to roll the dice and, and run one of these injury or injured players out there. I like it. Absolutely. Last question, then we'll, uh, we'll sign off and call it a night. Um, and actually we had a comment coming through uh, Teddy on YouTube saying that you've got to uh, leap frog. Uh, there is what I think that that means with the emojis. So let's go ahead and head over to this. Uh, this he this is from I'm a bot with the uh, brain hurts talking about uh, making trades. I'm six and two right now. Ten man league and my team is Lamar Eckler, Jones, Henderson, AJ Brown, Deontay Johnson, Terry Gronk, Higby, and the Steelers D. I can't think of any trades. I don't know that you necessarily need to make any trades on that one. Like there's some ways that you could potentially try and improve, but Lamar is uh, QB three in a lot of formats. There, Austin Eckler is a top five running back. Uh, Aaron Jones uh, is a is a top ten uh, running back. Uh, Daryl Henderson's a top uh, you know an RB one as well. AJ Brown, we're going to see a big second half here, I think. 
Um, it'll be interesting. I think we'll see a lot of things there. Deontay Johnson volume play Terry McLaurin, um, absolutely has some good things there. Uh, the only things that you're necessarily maybe needing to improve upon is going to be your defense and your tight end. And in a 10 man team league, there's no reason that you can't stream either one of those positions and find the right matchup every single week to, to just be uh championship ready with that. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Steelers defense is fine this week, but definitely mm-hmm. be streaming the defenses. I mean, the Cardinals, even the way the Cowboys have been playing now, they're super opportunistic. So there's nothing wrong with that. The the Rams defense, um, and then you're just going off of matchups, right? I mean, there's going to be some weeks where you play the, the the Rams defense if you can get them, and other weeks where maybe you do pivot off and you play a team, the, the Bills, right? That's another team who's had a really solid defense. Um, and then keep an eye with normally that's an easy drop during people's bye weeks. Mm-hmm. So – you know, just be active on the waiver wire, but I'd agree. I mean, unless you're wanting to package, uh, unless you're wanting to package Gronk and Deontay Johnson and trying to improve upon that because you don't like how Ben Roethlisberger is looking. So now you're going to go out and you're going to try and get a Chris Godwin. Uh, I mean, and, and even that's volatile, right? Because mm-hmm. some weeks he shows up and other weeks, maybe not so much. So um, overall, I like your roster. I think you can sit pat and and just kind of wait and see what comes from you comes from it. But uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with streaming um, defenses and tight ends, especially in a ten man league, because generally there's so many options out there. Yeah, absolutely. I I like that one, and that's how I would also roll on that one as well. So very cool. Well, guys, I do believe that that's gonna wrap it up and uh, bring us to the end of yet another episode of the good old boys fantasy football podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in and listening and or watching. However you've consumed this content, we appreciate you doing so. Uh, You can hit us up on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at good old boys, FF. One of the best ways to help us out and help support this show is to go over to the YouTube, a good old boys, fantasy football podcast, YouTube channel, and hit that up. Click the subscribe button ring the bell. I'm a bot says, thank you guys. You are most welcome, sir. Thank you for tuning in. So guys, if you can head over to YouTube, click the subscribe button, ring the bell, the good old boys, fantasy football podcast, YouTube channel. We appreciate it. He's Kevin. I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe.